worship. What images does that word bring to mind? Shafts of light through a stained glass window? Reverberating pipe organs? Choirs, robes, candles, and incense? What is worship? Just another word for praise or thanksgiving? Something fulfilled by attending a worship service once a week? Today on Grace Notes, Barbara Sandbeck will continue to explore what God considers worship as part of her series entitled Revival in the Land. So stay tuned to see worship in action as the people of Israel demonstrate how to worship the Lord. God has strong feelings about how we worship. We must not enter it lightly. Let's review what we've learned so far about God's prescribed way for worship. We found that worship requires preparation. Worship is to occur in a definite place, God's temple. And for believers, God's temple is our whole being. Worship evokes a definite posture. We're to worship God in spirit and in truth. Worship is an action word. It's not a feeling, rather an activity which calls for participation. Worship is pleasing to God when it's coupled with thanksgiving. And worship is to come from a pure heart. Man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks on the heart. We wouldn't think twice about appearing in front of an earthly king with a dirty, unkempt appearance. How much more care should be taken not to enter into the presence of our heavenly king with soiled hearts? We can fool man, but we can't fool God. In Matthew 15:9, Jesus said the Pharisees honored him with their lips, but their hearts were far from him. Human beings are made for worship. We'll either worship the Almighty Creator God or something He created, maybe even ourselves. Worship means to ascribe worthship to, to love and adore. It's natural to want to give to that which we consider valuable. True worship involves a sacrifice, something important to us. So, what's important? Time, material possessions, a person? I often think how difficult it must be for parents to surrender a child to the mission field, or for a woman to become a pastor's wife, knowing she'll give him up many times over to service the needs of others. But these are sacrificial acts of worship. I also recall the words of King David in Second Samuel twenty four twenty four I will not sacrifice to the Lord my God burnt offerings that cost me nothing. On our last program, we left King Hezekiah and his people in the middle of sacrificing their burnt offerings. Burnt offerings were wholly consumed. There was no taking them back. They symbolized complete surrender to God. Continuing with Second Chronicles 29 at verse 27, we read, As the offering began, singing to the Lord began also, accompanied by trumpets and the instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly bowed in worship, while the singers sang and the trumpeters played. All this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was completed. God commanded the use of instruments in worship, but our voice is also an instrument. Singing is one of the highest forms of praise. I think it's because it it bears your soul. I know my singing is affected by what's going on inside me. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord. King David wrote in Psalm 27, 6b, At his tabernacle will I sacrifice with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Psalm 108, 1b reads, I will sing and make music with all my soul. 
The soul is our will and emotions. According to Revelation 6-9, it's the part that never dies. Music will follow us into eternity. Making music is different than just singing, I think. How do we make music to the Lord? I don't believe it's an actual sound, rather a perceived one. Years ago, I sang with a Handel choir. The conductor wouldn't let us sing a note of the score until we'd achieved a perfect blend. He knew it was right when he could hear tones an octave higher and an octave lower than anyone was singing. That's how I believe it is when we make music with our heart to the Lord. God doesn't harmonize with our will to have fellowship with us. We must submit to His will. When we've entered into true worship, we become one with God. Our will and His are in perfect harmony, forming a song that only God hears. We receive great satisfaction in this, knowing we're in tune with our Creator, and our sacrifice is acceptable. That's where joy comes into play. Psalm 98.4 states, Shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Burst into jubilant song with music. Worship is a spontaneous outpouring of our soul to the Lord, who is surely worthy of praise. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lands. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before His presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, He is God. It is He that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are His people, and the sheep of His pasture. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving, and into His courts with praise. Be thankful unto Him, and bless His name. For the Lord is good, His mercy is everlasting, and His truth endureth through all generations.
we differentiate praise from worship? Praise is worship demonstrated. As we've seen, worship can be put into action through the use of music. Worship begins in the heart and makes its way to our voice box. But we must be sure to combine or even precede music with Scripture, which causes us to consider God's awesomeness, or we may end up worshiping the music or the person directing it. Notice that as the offering began, the people sang to the Lord, accompanied by instruments. They weren't singing to each other. Their worship was directed to God. And the instrumentation was accompaniment, not the focus. The accompaniment should not drive what is sung or be what people notice the most. If either one of these criteria aren't met, it becomes entertainment. How about the content of a song? Just look at some of the songs recorded in the Bible. For example, Deborah's song in Judges 5 recites the righteous acts of the Lord. It was intended to inspire praise and adoration for God. It affirmed their faith and God's concern for His people. Many of King David's psalms were songs and were used in worship, as we see in Second Chronicles 29.30. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and of Asaph the seer. So, is worship a shaft of light through a stained-glass window, a reverberating pipe organ, or a choir singing? Oh, these things may help us enter into worship, but we don't need them. We can worship any time, anywhere, in our hearts. I like what David Jeremiah said. We should live as a hallelujah, or praise the Lord, from head to toe. When Albert Thorwaldsen, the Danish sculptor, had completed his famous statue of Christ, portrayed with his arms outstretched and his head bowed, he invited a friend to see it. The friend looked at the figure and said, I can't see his face. To which the sculptor replied, If you want to see the face of Christ, you must get on your knees. So why not reverently submit to God? Bow your heart and yourself. Why? Because all the glory and honor belongs to Him. Worship with me now as I sing this song of adoration to my Heavenly Father. Oh 
You've been listening to Grace Notes, an outreach of Sandback Concert Ministries. Your letters and contributions are greatly needed to keep this program on the air. So please write to us at Sandbeck Ministries, P.O. Box 581, Falston, Maryland, 21047. Or email us through our website at www.sandbeckministries.com. Join us on our next program. Until then, let your grace notes be a song of praise. <laughs>